We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, we, we got a few things we want to hit. We'll make this a quick episode. Uh, you and I got to skedaddle to the Rotowire holiday party tonight. Uh, first one in a few years. You know, obviously, the pandemic uh, kind of put the, the temporary kibosh on the Rotowire holiday party, but uh, we, we got a spot downtown Madison. I'll be sipping over from Milwaukee. Uh, very much looking forward to that, but. Uh, we, we got NBA to talk before we, you know, get into party mode. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to see everybody in person after, after a while. Um, it'll be a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, NBA right now is it, it does feel like a little bit of a lull, but the storylines are starting to settle in, in terms of like the, the sort of team storylines of, you know, the warriors aren't playing that well. Um, the Lakers are rounding into form, stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time for some of these guys. I, I heard Ken Kreitz is in town. I heard he rumblings is. that uh, he, he was, you know, causing ruckus around the office today. So very much uh, looking forward to chatting with him. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll do a full Rotowire uh, holiday party recap on the pod later this week with James Anderson, and I'm sure you'll get into it with Ken on Friday. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it's kind of business as usual in the NBA. We we have we have injuries that we're monitoring as always. You know, we're, we're past the quarter mark now in the season and now it kind of feels like the next benchmark is is christmas day just because that's always a huge slate um and then it's all-star and then it's you know the the trade deadline and, and all of a sudden the playoffs are around the corner but uh, it does feel like this is kind of a a middling dead period in the nba where we have enough of a sample now that we feel good about you know the teams that we know are very very good i.e boston milwaukee phoenix um, but you know, I, I think teams like Philly, Toronto, Miami, they're, they're seven, eight, nine in the East right now. Injuries have contributed to that. Um, so I want to talk about some of those teams in a little bit, you know, what our expectations are as they start to get guys back. But, uh, Alex, I, I think we are morally obligated to talk about Anthony Davis first and foremost. Uh, what a run for AD last nine games, 35 points, 16 rebounds, three assists, three blocks, 65% from the field, 88% at the line. He's shooting the three. Well, partially because he's only taking wide open threes. Uh, he's no longer, you know, chucking them up at a 28% rate like he was the last couple of years. Uh, I'll be the first to admit it. I, I did not see this coming from Anthony Davis. You know, you and I talked a ton about the Lakers in the off season. And of all the scenarios we discussed, you know, it was, it was Westbrook trades. It was, what does LeBron have left? Like, I don't think at any point we said, what if Anthony Davis returns to being a borderline top five player in the NBA? Like that, that just didn't even seem possible. No, and you figured he wouldn't be this healthy either. Like he's he's barely missed time at all, and um, you know I think for him, yeah, reducing the amount of jump shots he's taking is important. His free throw percentage back up. Uh, I'm I personally, you know, I've always thought Anthony Davis should play more in the paint. 
I'm going to avoid some of those jumpers and just really focus more on using his physical advantages. And, you know, he's up to a career high 3.4 offensive rebounds per game. That's huge. Obviously, I mean, given his, he's, I, he's not going to win defensive player of the year because the Lakers aren't good enough, but he's someone who's in that conversation. And like you alluded to, all those things together combined with his 29 points a game um, on efficient shooting make him like he's he's basically at his peak right now. Like it's this doesn't look any different from his prime. And when he was in his prime, he was a top five, top 10 player. Yeah, you know he's playing well when the like Wilt Chamberlain and Shaq comparison graphics start popping up on Twitter. Uh, you know, over over the last couple of days, like most fifty or fifty and fifteen games. Um, you know, it, you kind of forget Anthony Davis. I mean, he he wasn't going like forty four, fifty five points back to back games uh, like he has uh, in their last two against Washington and Milwaukee. But at his peak, I mean, he was two, three times a year. He would have one of those like you know fifty eight points, twenty one rebounds type of games. And it, even when he was playing well. Last year and the year before in LA, like he, he wasn't having those peak peak games. And part of that comes alongside, you know, playing with a, a high usage player in LeBron James. But yeah, I mean, he's been incredible and it's a big reason why the Lakers are suddenly back in this thing. And look, I, I still don't think as currently constructed, this Lakers team can win the title, but it, it be, the, the whole equation becomes a lot more interesting when you say, okay, you have maybe the seventh best player in the league in Anthony Davis. And I don't know the eighth to 10th best player in the league in LeBron James, he's played a lot better the last couple of weeks. I, I still, you know, at this point in his career, there are guys I would take over LeBron, you know, in the playoffs, but he's still in that conversation to me of like, if you need to win one game or you need to win one playoff series, there are not that many players I would take over LeBron at this point. And I think if you're the Lakers, that's what you're telling yourself. I, I, I just hope that, you know, this front office is still realistic about what the rest of this roster is because beyond that top two, even though some of the, you know, the role players are starting to find their way and, and Russell Westbrook is, you know, by his standards, at least playing okay off the bench, like there's still a, a lot of improvements that need to be made before this team is competing for anything other than beating the Spurs and the Pistons and the, you know, the Wizards without Bradley Beal. Right. Um, I'm I'm with you on that. It's I mean, this is sort of what the the AD LeBron combination was supposed to be. It's LeBron mm -hmm. is going to slowly uh, sort of decline, and Anthony Davis is going to rise up, and they'll they'll sort of meet, and then uh, they'll be a great one-two punch. The problem is. We didn't envision that the surrounding team being, we knew it wasn't going to be amazing. We didn't envision it being this bad. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just a product of, you know, you, you move away from Kyle Kuzma and um, some of that. You, they went for the high intelligence in Westbrook. And we, we all know. I mean, look like, look we at all, what we're saying. Like, man, like, they could really use Kyle Kuzma. Like, you're right, though. It's like we, we could never have envisioned Rob Polinka putting together this horrendous of a supporting cast. Right. And the fact is, Kuzma's playing pretty well right now. He like, is? I, I was never, and I'm still not really a, a Kuzma guy. I just don't think he's a good enough shooter to really make up for uh, some of his other deficiencies, but he's a solid, solid defender. Like his, his 21 points a game that he's putting up for Washington <laughs> would be a massive help uh, for the Lakers right now. Yeah. I mean, we could go through the list of all the guys that the Lakers probably should have tried to hold on to over these last couple of years. I mean, you could, I, I think ironically enough, like Zubach would be the one that maybe would have helped Zubac. them the most given the cost, you know, cause you could say like, Oh, they should have yeah. kept Brandon Ingram. It's like, yeah, if you don't keep Brandon Ingram, then you don't have Anthony Davis and you don't win the title in the bubble. So like, I, I you know, the, you, you can't say you should have kept everybody, but it, to me, it's, it's the, you know, the guys that they just let go for free, you know, like the Larry Nances, the Josh Hart's guys like that. I mean, those would be perfect role players on a team like this. <laughs> It's crazy because they they actually did a pretty good job of acquiring and drafting those guys. Exactly. And they sort of just ended up letting them go. Uh, it's for various reasons. Yeah. It, it is crazy, though, to think of, I think, Ingram in particular, his ascent, because he looked like a you know, borderline bust in L.A. And it's been a completely different player with the Pelicans. So credit to him for the development. But obviously, he was in a rough situation on those Lakers teams. Uh, LeBron, by the way, uh, you know, the, the season long numbers still not looking great. He, he's at 33% from three. The field goal percentage is about as low as you'll ever see from LeBron. But his, his like last few games since coming back from the injury, he started to look really good, started draining threes again. Um, and I, I think we're, we're kind of set now for yet another 26, eight and seven type of season for LeBron at age 38, which remains ridiculous. I was listening to a pod late last night. I don't know, maybe I was really tired and, you know, kind of delusional just thinking about LeBron, but like, <laughs> I mean, not that this is news, like, it's just insane to me. Like what other player at this age is still doing like a pretty reasonable impression of himself at his peak years. And like, I, I think he's lost a step in terms of like lateral quickness, but like athleticism wise, 
if you're talking like how high he elevates on a fast break dunk, I don't feel like LeBron has lost anything. Like he had back-to-back big dunks against the Wizards on Sunday. And I'm like, if you just replace this with like a heat uniform and changed everything in the background, like you could convince me that this was like 2014 LeBron. I mean, it's, it's absolutely astonishing. And like, I, I, at what point, like, when is he going to enter his Carmelo phase? Like 45 years old at this point, like he's showing very few, he's still like a very, very, very good player at age 38. I mean, not that we expected anything different, but it's wild. I mean, you and I were talking probably five years ago about LeBron potentially entering a new phase of his career. And it, I mean, he's playing as well now as he, as he was his first year with the Lakers. Yeah. He's uh he's definitely more selective, obviously where with when he chooses to sort of uh, use his athleticism, right? There are a lot of times where yeah. he just, he, he takes it easy. But I agree with you when he's, when he's fresh and um, when he's amped up and wants to go for a big dunk, he can still make that happen or a big block or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, and he's obviously like this is every everybody knows this, right? Like I'm not saying anything. Um, this is not news that LeBron, because he is such a versatile player, I think will age well. Like he can always be a great passer. At, he could just hang out at the top of the mm-hmm. key, make great passes like Jokic esque, shoot some threes here and there. He can maybe you know we keep talking about the LeBron post up game, but there's just so many ways for him to age into a smaller role. Um, that I don't think it'll be an issue at all. And I do still have some faith in him to become a better shooter when he feels like he absolutely has no other choice. Because we saw that we saw that in Miami. He really worked yeah. on it. He became a really good shooter. Yeah, we've seen it with a number of guys. Uh, yeah, I think Jason Kidd is the example yeah. that everybody brings up the most. You know, His entire career, he was kind of resistant uh, until he absolutely needed to. It was basically like, look, you're not going to be in a rotation if you can't shoot threes. And yeah, they, I mean, LeBron is, is almost on a different level where whatever team he's on, he's going to play. Um, I, I guess I'm just trying, I'm just wondering like, at what point are we going to see him in that type of role that you described? Like it, it's coming oh, at some point, but I just, I, I can't even picture what that looks like because he, he's just the same guy. It's, it's wild to me. Right. And it's, it's not, it's not like, it's not going to be a situation like Kobe at the end of his career. And it's not going to be like Jordan on the wizards either. I just don't think it's going to be no. like that. I, I think no, it will I, be, I, go ahead. I, I could see it being closer to Jordan on the Wizards than Kobe. I mean, the Kobe situation was sad, but that was like uniquely Kobe just because he's like, yes, I, I just think he like blocked out the fact that he was bad. Um, whereas like Jordan was still pretty good. He just wasn't as efficient as his old self. It was, you know, it was basically a, it was a pretty reasonable impression of peak Michael Jordan, but it was just on a bad team. He was, he was clearly old. Like that time is coming for LeBron. But like you said, I, I think the, the way his, the way his game works, I think it is going to age really well. I've just like, I just, I want, I'm asking you to like put a date on it. Like in what season are we talking about LeBron playing 22 minutes off the bench for the Cavaliers? I don't know. I mean, who would you, who would you say is the, like, yeah, you're, you sort of mentioned like, this is sort of without compare. Who do you think is the closest comparison? I mean, is it. So the guy I looked up right now on basketball reference is Carl Malone, who, you know, he was on that, that Lakers team that he joined for his final season. He was 40 years old at that point. Uh, and he went from averaging 21 and eight uh, and five assists as a 39 year old in Utah to averaging 13 points in 33 minutes per game for, for the Lakers and, you know, new situation and all that. Like, I, I think Carl Malone is probably the blueprint as far as being this effective into your late thirties. He was an all-star in his age 38 season in 01, 02. Um, but I, I still, you know, we were young at that point, but I, I still don't remember thinking Carl Malone was like a potential top 10 guy at that point, right. I think it was, it was pretty universally recognized that he was nearing the end. And I mean, I, I think the only comparison for LeBron is like Tom Brady, you know, like all the, all the other guys mm-hmm. that have made it to this point in their career, you think Jason Kidd, think Shaq, think Dirk Nowitzki, like think of where those guys were at their age. Like you're, you're, you're picturing like Shaq on the Celtics. You know, like imagine what that looked like. Like that was the same age that LeBron is now. Right. Another guy I just thought of too is Vince Carter. Uh, Vince, Vince Carter aged pretty, like it was a pretty slow sort of decline into a smaller role, but there was one drop from when he went from Dallas to Memphis from 37 to 38, where he went from 12 points a game to six points a game. And then sort of just wrote it out. Obviously that's not like a great example, but it's another sort of wing who, you know, was very good that, um, he, again, yeah. I mean, I think the cross sport comparison with Brady is, um, is fine honestly, in this situation. But yeah, I mean, if LeBron plays at this level for another year or two, which we've been mm-hmm. saying for six years, um, I, I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, the, the last thing I'll say on this, I guess, is it just does feel like he could kind of name his date at this point. Like most players mm-hmm. walk away, in the NBA especially, it's very, very rare because you know it's not as physical of a game. You're not worried about concussions like you are in the NFL. Like 
most guys walk away when they are a shell of their former self. Like there are not many guys who go out and you're saying like, man, that guy could have played five more years. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I just say like, I think LeBron is wired that way too, where he's not going to, you know, just because he hits age 40, if he's averaging 25, six and six at age 40, I don't think he's going to be like, ah, I'm tired of this. I'm hanging it up. Like, it's just, I, I think the point that I'm trying to make here is that I think he could end up like lapping the field in some of these, you know, cumulative records when it's all said and done, because, you know, all, all the guys that are way up there on those leaderboards, they have, you know, like Vince Carter, for example, he played like seven years of garbage time at the end of his career. Yes. Frankly. Yeah. I mean, as, as much as, um, maybe it feels cleaner for LeBron to sort of just hang a, hang it up when there's a noticeable decline. On the other hand, uh, selfishly, of course, I want to see LeBron just play until he's 46. Like, I just want to see what, I just want to see what happens. Like if LeBron is like, I, I, I can still give him a good 18, 19 minutes a night. That would be amazing. But does he even want to do that? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it would just be, I, it would, that would be something amazing to see that we just, we haven't mm-hmm. seen before in another exactly. sport where a guy really just pushes it to the very end in baseball. Sometimes it happens. Pujols. Yeah. Julio um, Franco. Yeah. But it's a very, that's a very different sport, right? You just walk up to the 100%. plate, you play DH. Yeah. 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 We could play, we could probably play major league baseball if we wanted to, <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. That's that, that would be amazing. And I, I truly think there's a chance that we're, we're heading there. Right. I mean, I think especially if LeBron continues to try and fail, you know, to add more titles, it's like, I think that's, I mean, that's part of the reason that Brady has seven rings is because he's playing into his forties and he's winning rings into his forties. So yeah, I, I do think that's the blueprint. And physically, if anybody could do it, it would be him because I, I do think a lot of, a lot of the ultra elite players, I think in their mind, they think like, oh yeah, you know, eventually I'll, I would love to just take a secondary role. It'd be great to just kind of chill out there and, you know, mm-hmm. play my 20 minutes on a good team. How, that never happens. Like we've, we see it with everybody. You see it with Carmelo. You, you, I mean, like Vince Carter, it's it's shocking that he was willing to accept that role of all guys. Like nobody would have thought peak Vince Carter is somebody that would have played that long as a role player. I think it's really hard for guys that are wired as superstars, even when they're old and past their prime to accept anything but a starring role. But anyway, that, that went completely off the rails. Not that I ever have a problem talking about LeBron. Uh, point is Anthony Davis is playing really well. <laughs> yeah. Not a surprise that this went completely off the rails as it usually yeah. does. Okay. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of the new sponsors on this show. Pick it. Picket is a social bet tracking app that takes all the hassle out of tracking your bets and your betting performance over time. Picket connects to all the major U.S. sportsbooks like DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, you name it, as well as all the major DFS providers, prize picks, underdog fantasy, thrive fantasy, etc. cetera. Uh, once you hook up all your sportsbooks or your DFS pickup providers, Picket does all the heavy lifting to slice and dice your betting data. You'll get historical P&L, graphs, unique breakdowns by team, sport, player, bet type, etc. cetera. Uh, you get the gist. I mean, you, you could track every time that you bet on, say, the Jacksonville Jaguars money line. That has not been a profitable bet this season. You could bet, uh, you could track every single time you're taking Palo Bancaro points overs. Alex, I know you've been hammering that over at the DK Sportsbook. Any kind of bet you want to make, you could track it on Picket. They make it super, super easy. Everything is imported automatically. You can also line shop for the best odds across your link sportsbooks to make sure you're getting the most bang for your buck. When your bets are live, you can track the scores and stats of the games you bet on, as well as get player prop updates for most major player prop markets. That means no more switching between your sportsbook app and your different score apps. Uh, I actually love this idea, Alex. Uh, I'm always, especially on a night like last night, I, I, I have DraftKings or FanDuel open, and then I switch over to ESPN to, to check scores, then I'm on my laptop. Um, it's basically like if you play fantasy football or if you play fantasy basketball and you get those alerts, you know, uh, you know Lamar Jackson is in the red zone, that type of thing. You're getting alerts from Pickett on your bets. So you're not flipping between apps constantly. You can actually watch the games. However, by far the biggest differentiator with Pickett is that it syncs your history and your bets from all legal major sports books. That means no manual entry required to track your bets. Again, no manual entry. This is huge. That saves you a ton of time. And once you have your accounts linked, it's effortless from there. The social media feed and the community is really what turns Picket from just a bet tracking app to a true home for betting. When you can learn from others, see what others are doing, find verified content to inform your betting decisions. Visit Picket.com. That's P-I-K-K-I-T.com. Picket to download the Picket app today. Last night, uh, also in LA, the the Clippers. Uh, I guess this game was was in Charlotte, technically. But Kawhi Leonard, 
played a, a erupted for a season high 28 minutes in his return from an ankle injury, 16.6 rebounds, two assists, including the game winning jumper. Uh, I, I kept Kawhi out of my stake league lineup this week. I, I, I did not want to get burned, but this is kind of the first sign of hope for me and anyone who's, who's still clinging to Kawhi Leonard. Uh, if you made a, a terrible investment on draft day, uh, you know, again, like the production, it, it's going to take a while. I, I think until we're seeing Kawhi putting up like consistent 20 point games, but just the fact that he, you know, blew past his highest minute total of the season with 28, I'm, I'm relatively encouraged. That was his sixth game of the year. Um, uh, I, yeah, not it's a, counting. Not that we're, <laughs> it definitely encouraging. Um, I think he definitely hasn't looked like himself. Most of the, like he's played six games and he hasn't looked like himself in those six games, even with the lower minutes. Like he's just not as involved. He hasn't been until this last game involved as he, as he has been, um, before. So that's a little bit of a concern, but I, again, the fact that he's trending towards 30 minutes, Again, if you drafted Kawhi, you can't trade him. It's just pretty much impossible to trade unless you're trading him for like Jared Vanderbilt. So you may as well just hang on. Yeah, I mean, we've we've gone through it on the XM show, you know, kind of throwing out like what what does a, a Kawhi Leonard trade even look like? Uh, I mean, you need to find someone who, in my opinion, is either as down bad as you are or is doing really well and, you know, kind of has the capacity to sell off a, a couple semi-productive players with the hope that, you know, Kawhi Leonard comes back and you get a major boost later on. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know anyone out there who's looking to acquire Kawhi Leonard at this point. And I mean, if I was speaking as someone who didn't have Kawhi Leonard in the Rotowire Stake League, I would want to see him play healthy basketball for at least a month before I even consider making that deal. You know, like one decent looking game uh, on a Monday night in December is not enough to pull me back in. No. No, and like I, I don't really have anybody on my roster. If if we're talking like uh, certain leagues, like stake league, for example, sixteen team league, the only people I have on my roster that would even be under consideration. This is off the top of my head. I'm, I'm on a different computer than usual, but like I, mm-hmm. I Markel Fultz is like too much of a low ball. But oh, yeah. other than that, my worst player is like Kyle Anderson, or yeah. um, it's like no Josh Hart. I don't know. Um, and at that point, it's like, I just, Josh Hart's going to, he's going to stay healthy and he puts up pretty good numbers. So yeah, I think, I think you're almost better off trying to lob him yeah. to a manager that's doing really well for mm-hmm. if, if that manager somehow also acquired guys who are going to be really good in the short term, like really good short term ads. Like if they got Jalen Noel or mm-hmm. something like that, um, maybe that's the move. I I don't know. I think Josh Hart is a really good baseline. It's like, I, I think that's sure. kind of right in that range. It's like guys who could finish 70 to hundred, like that's at this point kind of uh, where the negotiation starts with Kawhi Leonard, but either way, uh, you know, good, good to see him back in the lineup. And like you said, looking like himself really for the first time all season. I mean, he, he looked really tentative, you know, wasn't really getting to the rim all that much in his last smattering of games. And uh, it, it is worth noting that his last absence, you know, he missed six games in a row was technically because of a sprained ankle that he sustained in, right. in his last game back on November 21st. So it was not, at least publicly, was not a re-aggravation of the knee, which, you know, by Kawhi standards, I guess, is a positive. Paul George also came back last night. He puts up 19 and 7 uh, on 15 shots. Kawhi also, Kawhi took 15 shots in 28 minutes. That That is a, a very encouraging sign. Um, John Wall continues to look pretty decent. I mean, in points leagues, especially if you're not too worried about the efficiency, He's had a, a few pretty big assist games. Um, you know, the steals have been on and off. Uh, overall, I, you know, he was somebody that I was grabbing at the end of a bunch of drafts. And, you know, I, I think you kind of have to be realistic about what you're getting yourself into. But I think on the whole, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, um, the Clippers as a whole, they just continue to make it work. Man, Ty Lue, this, the, this team being 14 and 11 doesn't really make any sense uh, given who they've been playing. But yeah, Wall, Wall's looked fine. Um and, you know, Zubach is having a career year. Marcus Morris comes in, gives them decent minutes. Norman Powell, after like a horrible start to the year, is now looking like um, an NBA player again. And, of course, they have like a decent bench of, you know, like the Terrence, like Luke Kennard hasn't been playing, but they got Terrence Mann. Um, Covington comes in for some spot minutes and stuff. Batum, you know, honorary 14 minutes a game. Oh, yeah. So once they're healthy, which, again, the, the Clippers are sort of a, a theoretical team in the way the Nets are a theoretical team. Uh, but it, again, if Kawhi and Paul George get healthy, this team is, they're interesting. Yeah, they are. They're still hanging around at eight to one 
to win the title. That is behind only the Celtics, the Bucks, uh, and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Lakers, by the way, still at thirty-five to one. It's a slight nudge. They were at forty to one last week. <laughs> oh wow! So, yeah, they're getting they're getting that AD bump. Uh, they they were down uh, a little over a week ago, as low as eighty to one. So look, I mean, those odds have been cut uh-huh. in more than half uh, just in the last few days. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, I just got a notification that the Warriors have recalled James Wiseman. I got that too. Yeah. Which is a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're on the same wavelength with that. Uh, that's a good segue to talk about the Warriors. And this is kind of exactly what I want to hit on. And I, I, I maintain that the Warriors, you know, at this point, there's probably no team that has less reason to push, you know, for 60 wins in the regular season than the Warriors. So the fact that they're 13 and 12 to me is not that alarming. I mean, it, it was a little alarming at first when they started three and seven, uh, but they've looked a lot better ever since, uh, you know, beating up on some bad teams. Admittedly, they did just lose to the Pacers last night. Uh, they are about to head out on an Eastern conference road trip uh, over the weekend. And, you know, Warrior Celtics, by the way, on Saturday, that'll be a fun one. But I, I more so want to talk about that, you know, all the young assets, I guess, for the Warriors and kind of see where you're at as far as what you think they should do. And if they were to try to trade, you know, at least one of Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman, like where's the value at right now? Like, would you be selling at an all time low? Uh, I think you, so some of that I think has to be internal for them. Like if they, legitimately think that these guys can cannot function within the warrior system like if they think like Kaminga Moody Wiseman like these guys just are not quote-unquote warriors players they either don't get it they don't want to get it then you just I think you just have to sell like I I don't think you can have like the warrior system is so exact um that if you get guys who can't play in that system they're they're less useful than guys who do play in the system but are much worse players. So I'd be okay with selling low, all-time low, if you can just get a quality rotation player that you're confident will help you in the playoffs. They don't have to be amazing. They just have to be able to give you 10 to 15 good playoff minutes and hopefully stick around for more than one year. And I think that's just basically what you're looking for, which sounds like that's a crazy low ball. Yeah. considering the upsides of these guys. Um, I'm the highest on Kaminga, but um, so that that might be the hardest guy to trade, but at the same time, you're going to get the most return for him. So it's it's a tough call. Yeah, he's the one I would be the most scared to part with. Um, you know, Wiseman, 
I, I think anybody who's watched his good moments, it's easy to see yeah. why he was a top three pick in that draft. Like I, I don't necessarily fault the Warriors for making that pick. I mean, in, in retrospect, it looks like a massive, massive miss for a team that's already loaded and just won the title. But it's very easy to say, what if LaMelo Ball was on this roster? Uh, what, if, you know, what if Tyrese Halliburton was on this roster? What if even like Onyeka Okungwu was on this roster? Like I, I think he would be perfect for that team playing like 22 minutes off the bench. Um, and, and, you know, you could also argue like LaMelo and Halliburton, maybe they don't turn into the players that they are with the Warriors. But if nothing else, like those guys are just monster trade assets. It, we're having the same conversation that we are right now, but we're not talking about them being, you know, depressing busts that they have to try to sell low on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would be worried about Kaminga. The flashes have definitely been there. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if you look at the efficiency numbers, they're not great. Uh, you know, the, the few games where they've kind of handed the reins over to him, whether it's been you know, in regular season games where they're resting all the starters or even in summer league, like he is, he's a head down guy. Uh, He's not necessarily a, a great distributor. Um, So I I think you could kind of see the foundation of somebody who could be a much better scorer than he's shown so far. But if I'm the Warriors, I I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be feeling like I, you know, I'm going to be on like the wrong end of like the James Harden OKC deal or anything like that. No, I don't think so. Um, Kaminga, I mean, Kaminga is great as a, as a, his athleticism is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so coming off of cuts and he's a, you know, he's a guy where if he played the sort of Aaron Gordon role in Denver, I think he would really thrive there. But again, that wouldn't be a featured role and that could be its own issues. But there are some teams that just aren't doing that well. Like people talk about Charlotte a lot where it's like Charlotte just has a team full of veterans that are just not doing anything like, yeah they're they're doing stuff but it's not contributing to winning it's like you know they have they have plumley around who actually would be a pretty good fit for the warriors uh for those non-draymond minutes um you know they have gorgon hayward they're kind of hanging on to salary wise a lot of that stuff is going to be difficult to near impossible potentially without bigger uh moves being made but if i'm the warriors yeah it's all about titles right i mean if if this if your plan of we have this backup crew of young guys who will eventually take over you have this plan in your head, but if you realize maybe this isn't going to work, then I think you just pivot away from it. You're like, this isn't going to work. Our plan doesn't work. Now we just go, uh, we just sort of push our chips all in instead. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the nice thing with the Warriors is, one, you won the title last year. So, right. you know, you, you kind of bought yourself an even longer runway than you already had. Uh, although, you know, I, I think you, there is some inherent pressure, you know, with, with the end of the, the, the Curry, Draymond, Clay era potentially coming, but... Yeah, I mean, no matter what, I, I still think they're the team I would pick to come out of the West, even if they make no changes. Um, like I, they didn't really need anything from those guys last year to win the title. And you could argue, yeah, the Clippers at full strength, the Suns at full strength, the Nuggets at full strength. Like maybe they mount a, a slightly uh, better challenge than you know than the Dallas Mavericks did in the West Finals. But I don't really see any of those teams as like a, a major major threat to the Warriors. I would still take Golden State, especially if they're at home. Uh, in any of those series straight up. So they're, they're ultimately in a good position. If anything, it's just more of a, uh, an interesting thought exercise, uh, I guess, as far as, you know, kind of putting yourself in the place uh, of the GM and, and deciding how you would handle that situation. One other note on the Warriors, by the way, Clay Thompson, 48% from three over his last seven games. So everyone who was panicking when he was shooting 30% through the first like 12 games of the year, uh, he appears to be back on track. 5.1 makes over his last seven games. Yeah, he's uh he's helped a lot of my team. I think I have um Thompson on three of my nine fantasy teams. So Ooh. him playing a lot better has definitely been helping me. Yeah, that that to me always felt like it was going to come around. Like it it was it'd be one thing if this was his first uh season back from the injuries and you're like, "Oh boy, I don't know if he's ever going to come back." But like he I thought he looked really good by the end of last season. And I, I know a lot of people were kind of nitpicking the defense and, and things like that, but I thought he was fantastic given the circumstances coming back from two major injuries. So it, to me, it, it seemed kind of hard to believe that he would play, you know, he would, he would basically look like 90% of his former self in June and then come September and October, he's just completely fallen off a cliff again. Right. And I, I heard, I think it was a podcast. They talked about how he changed his off season routine. He used to scrimmage yep. a lot and then kind of got scared of scrimmaging because of the injury. That's how he got hurt. Yep. So then he didn't scrimmage. And I think that's what probably contributed uh, to him getting off to a slow start, but now he's played enough um, and he's in a rhythm. I also am scared of scrimmaging at this point. Like I, I am, <laughs> I, I play, I found a, a run in Milwaukee on Saturday mornings that I play in. And like, 
every Saturday I lace them up and I just like say a prayer. I'm like, please, please don't tear your ACL, tear your Achilles. I'm, I'm like stretching at an all time rate. I, I just, right. I feel like it's coming. Yeah. Just, just yesterday I, uh, Shannon threw a pass and, uh, I got my finger jammed. I didn't think it was that bad at first, but I woke up this morning, both sides of my finger are just completely bruised. I'm like, is this broken? What happened? <laughs> it's, it's dangerous out there, man. Yeah. I know. Especially like, you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, I, I gotta, you know, I gotta start golfing in a couple months here. Like the last thing I need <laughs> worrying about your lower healing. back. Yeah. Well, the lower back has been a disaster that yeah. that's an entirely different podcast. We'll, we'll do, we'll cover that <laughs> on the road to wire lower back problems podcast with me and Shannon. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to talk about the East real quickly and then we'll get out of here. So Boston, Milwaukee, I think we can all agree pretty easily the top two teams in the conference, uh, especially when you consider that Chris Middleton has, has barely played for the Bucks. He came back over the weekend. Obviously, Robert Williams has not played for Boston yet, uh, although could make his return at some point in December. Who's the third best team in the East? Like, How does it shake down after that? Dude, is there any sort of hierarchy to you right now beyond that top two? Um, you know, some of this is affected by injuries. Like the Raptors have been very unhealthy. The 76ers, obviously, have been very unhealthy. The Heat have been very unhealthy. Um, even with that being the case, I I think I'm just in on the Cavaliers, man. I think I'm just in. They're, the the sort of like numbers, point, you know, net rating, strength of schedule, all that stuff, just yep. points towards the Cavaliers being... it. Those numbers say the Cavs are the second best team in the uh, in the East. And maybe they're not that good. But I think I don't think these numbers are like fake. And Jared Allen's even been out for a little while, right? It's like the, it's yeah. not like they've been completely healthy. I just think their combination of Garland and, and Mitchell is so explosive, and they have Mobley and Allen just ridiculous uh, defense at the rim. And obviously, Mobley can come out and guard some of the NBA's better wings um, and bigger guy like the the Giannis's of the world and the Tatum's of the world. Mobley's going to give those guys hell. And their wing rotation is not great, but they sort of have this. Um, it's it's something that I. It each individual guy doesn't give you a lot of confidence. You're like, well, you know, uh, Saggy Osman and and Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade. Like you don't love any of those guys, but you have like four options at that spot plus Karis Levert. Yep. So I just I think they're really well built. I think they're well coached. I think they have a ton of upside. I would love for them to find a way to upgrade that small forward spot. Yeah. I mean, the, the Okoro pick is just crushing and it, it's tough because it was the right pick at the time. And it, they were just kind of in a, in a tough spot in that draft. Um, you know, I mean, even if they had taken a Kung Wu, it's like that, you know, that I don't even know that he plays. If you assume that you have Mobley and Allen um, it's like, I, yeah, I don't know if taking Killian Hayes or Obi Toppin or Denny Avdia or, you know, any of those guys are any better. And, you know, yes, they should have taken Tyrese Halliburton, but uh, I also think it's like way too revisionist to go and say like, you know, I was pounding the table for Devin Vassell at number five <laughs> in the 2020 draft. Like they just, they were, they were basically picking fifth in a, what we thought was a three player draft with, with Edwards, Wiseman and ball. Um, you know, and it basically ended up being a three player draft with Edwards, Halliburton and ball. Uh, but I, I don't really fault them for that one. I, I think it made sense based on how they were building the team at the time, but yeah, they, they at least have found some options that, that are making sense. But if they could find a way to either get more out of Karis LeVert or upgrade mm -hmm. that spot, I would like them significantly more. They they seem like a team that's destined to be really fun in the playoffs, maybe push a team like Milwaukee or Boston to six or seven games, come up just short. And then next year, you know, we're talking about the Cavs as a potential title team. I... I can't say I would be shocked if they were in the NBA finals. I would not be shocked if they won a playoff series against the Bucs this year. Um, you know, obviously we haven't really seen the Bucs at full strength. Middleton hasn't played well since he came back, but I just think they have, I think they just have so many tools to beat almost every team, especially just, and so much of this is their defense, right? Like when you're trying to project really good teams, I think it's just as much about defense as it is offense. This is why I still have my, my suspicions about the Kings, for example. Uh, but I just, I think if they made it happen this year, like it, it is, it does come out of nowhere to some extent, but they acquired a legitimate star player in Donovan right. Mitchell. Like Donovan Mitchell is a star player and Mitchell uh, Garland's one of the best point guards in the NBA. Like, again, I went through it, but you start breaking down why each guy on this roster is great. And you suddenly you look up and it's like, this is yes. Like if this team won the title, Mm -hmm. Um, it would not be 
shocking. I don't know what their odds are right now, but they can't be too long. They are 25 to 1 to win the NBA title. So they're they're in the same neighborhood as Memphis, Philly, New Orleans, Dallas. I mean, I think the Cavs are the best team out of that I crew, do too, right? But I, I think those odds are reflecting how strong Boston and Milwaukee are. Yeah, and right. But if you play the season out 25 times, I think Cleveland would probably win a title in one of those universes. Yeah. I, I yeah, exactly. I, I think I think that's why they're 25 to 1. I don't right. I mean <laughs> I, I think, like, how low would you go? Like, would you be willing to put them down at, like, 15 to 1? I think, uh, to me, to me, they feel like more of a 15 to 20 team. Okay. Because, and I know they're sort of, again, I I mentioned, like, the Raptors, Heat, and 76ers. Like, those teams are very good. And if if the Cavaliers go up against any of those teams, those teams are more experienced in the playoffs. And um, I would still worry. I wouldn't mm-hmm. feel, like, incredibly, like, if the Cavs and the and the Raptors faced off in the in the first round, um, which probably won't happen, but in the second round or something like that. I, and the Raptors won. I wouldn't be like, oh, this is so disappointing for Cleveland. Like, how could they have lost this? But yeah. um, I still think they would go into that matchup, the team with more upside. Let's put it that way. Yeah, anything is on the table in the East, by the way. I mean, the, the four through 11 spots are separated by two games. So, you know, over the course of like three nights, you, you, the entire standing shuffle. Like the Pacers are the five seed right now. That, that does not mm-hmm. seem possible, but... It is. And uh, four of the Cavaliers' nine losses have come without Jared Allen, as you mentioned. Uh, as we record now, he is questionable to return on Tuesday night against the Lakers. So if he doesn't play tonight, you would think it comes later this week. That'll be a huge boost for them. But you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. I, I think, you know, there, there are a handful of guys that when they go to a new team, like when you think of like, uh, you know, what Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, like when they came to the Clippers, it was just instantly the Clippers went from. I don't know, probably a hundred to one to win the title to like seven to one, um, you know, bringing in two superstars is one thing, but I, I think we, we kind of have to do a reevaluation of Donovan Mitchell. Like everybody was like, Oh, great deal for the Cavs," But eh, you know, Mitchell's probably the 15th to 20th best player in the league. I, I don't know if it really matters. You know, all of a sudden he's averaging 28 points a game. And uh, it, it really feels like we maybe have should have, should have put a little more stock into that addition rather than just saying like, okay, he's another score first guard. How does he fit with Garland? I think so. I think people got sort of lulled to sleep by that playoff disappointment from Utah. And I think they sort of started to associate Donovan Mitchell with what was going wrong there. And I don't, I don't think that was fair. I mean, I think he, yes, he should have given more effort, but I think he sort of, we've seen even guys like LeBron do this. They're like, it's not going to happen with this team. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to give it like 90% effort instead of a hundred percent effort. And, um, but every, everything, Everything prior to that, his trajectory was up every single season, every single year, and um, extremely high floor player as well. And I this this development is again, it's not crazy. Like I, his three point shooting is going to come back down. I think I don't think he's actually a forty two percent three point shooter on nine attempts a game, but the mix between him and Garland is good, and um, he's another two way player. Man, he's a good defender. It's just you can't. Yeah, there's no position. Like when you're facing the Cavaliers, it doesn't matter if your team's best player is a guard, a wing, or a center. They're going to be going up against a really, really strong defender. And that's a that's huge that you have defensive stoppers at every sort of nominal position. Yeah, if you just go by basic stat, points allowed per game, I mean, they are far and away the league leader. Um, you know, not not only in the Eastern Conference, but they're they're basically lapping the field. Uh, with with a lot of the teams out west, I mean Milwaukee and Philly are the only other teams in that neighborhood, and you know pace and everything plays into that as well. But um, yeah, that defense has been astonishing. Uh, real basic question, and then we'll, we'll we'll end this thing. How many teams right now could you picture winning the title in the East? Winning the title in the East um, again, I think I think a lot of those teams that I mentioned all have a puncher's chance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I Boston, think, Milwaukee, Cleveland, we're, we're, we hit all yes, those, those for are sure. For sure. I'm not a huge Raptors guy. I'll say that, okay. um, 76ers, they're confusing to me. They've been very injured, but again, if we're talking upside, I love their upside. It's crazy. Harden and Embiid and Maxi. I love their team. I have to be honest. Um, the heat, 
uh, I I just don't I don't love their depth. Like they've made it work with yeah. Gabe Vincent's and Caleb Martins and Struess has come in, but I don't know how much I trust these guys in a playoff series, despite the fact that they were basically almost in the NBA finals last year. Um but to me, to me, it's mostly Celtics, Cavs, Bucks, 76ers. And I know people might get upset about mm-hmm. like the heat, you know, the heat again, they've been very hurt, all that stuff. But that's that's just the way I view it. I'm with you on Toronto. I, I need to see it. I mean, I, they are a team that I, I love the starting five on paper, but it just it hasn't looked great this year, and they've they've had some injuries as well. Miami, it is very started. It is very quickly starting to look like last year was their best opportunity. Yeah, uh, and and maybe you know guys like Lowry and Butler are just a, a little past where they need to be. And yeah, like you said, they they feel like two guys short to me. Um, you know, losing mm-hmm. PJ Tucker, I think, is really going to hurt them uh, come the playoffs. And yeah, they have all these guys that they've basically groomed over the last couple of seasons by necessity because they've had so many injuries, but those guys are, are much better playing 18 to 22 minutes. And I, I think you're asking those guys to do more than they're ultimately qualified to do. And like, they're, they're still a good team. They're, they're still deep, but when you compare them to teams like Boston and Milwaukee and Cleveland, I, I think they do fall short. So I'm not crossing off Toronto and Miami, but they're, they're on the back burner for now. The only other team I would throw out there, like I'm not entertaining Atlanta. I'm not, we're not talking Indiana, Washington, the bulls, any of those teams. We have to talk about the Nets, and it's partially because the Nets are still twelve to one right now to win the finals. The Nets, they're 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 sort of just a five hundred team right now. But again, if we're talking upside, you have Durant, you have Kyrie, and Ben Simmons is. I think Ben Simmons is going to come back on Friday. Uh, Personally, I just I just need to see more minutes out of those three together on the court. Like I, we just need more of a sample size. Do these three guys play at a level together that it has championship upside? And we've gotten a decent sample. I just want a little bit more, but I won't, I won't entirely throw them away. Let's say that. I think you're fine to bring them up. You're fine to say they have a puncher's chance. Um, I just need a little bit more of a sample to, to sort of make uh, more of a, uh, to make a, a more of a stand one way or another. I don't know what it's going to take for me with the Nets. Like, is it is is it just like offloading Kyrie and bringing in some you know lesser players that ultimately give you a kind of a, a some of the parts situation and you feel better about your team? Is it Ben Simmons, you know, kind of looking like he did before this latest injury and actually staying healthy for two months? Like, I, I don't I, I, right now to me the case for the Nets is just Kevin Durant goes absolutely insane mm-hmm. and you know the the Bucks have like a Middleton type of injury or Robert Williams isn't healthy in the playoffs. Like, if to me, they have no chance to beat the Bucks or the Celtics if those teams are healthy. Uh, but you know, I mean, Durant is is still so singularly great, even you know, even in his mid thirties, that I, I guess I I understand it because we we've seen that path before with guys like LeBron and and like even Luca last year getting to the West Finals. Like it, it is possible, but I, I just think they need too much help unless they make some sweeping roster changes that don't seem likely. They have you know, like they have decent depth. Their depth isn't horrible. Um, but I, I, I don't necessarily trust a lot of it. Like they can't get, they seem like they can't get like Seth Curry's been, has been playing pretty bad lately. Um, I found the, I found the stat, by the way, the, the Durant Irving, Ben Simmons, uh, minutes, uh, they played 236 minutes together. Those lineups are plus 1.6. Not good. Not great. No, they're so they're barely a 500 team when those three guys are on the court together. Um, you know, I I still think there's room again. How many of those minutes were was Ben Simmons actually close to 100% healthy? Maybe it was like 40 of those minutes. But I, you, your point about Durant is is right. You know, if they end up in the Eastern Conference Finals, whether it be through injuries or Durant going supernova, um, that's I think that's something that's on the table. It's been a weirdly quiet Durant season. I feel like you don't hear anything about KD anymore. Like no. Everybody's just kind of in such a holding pattern with the Nets. I think everybody's sick of talking about Ben Simmons, even more sick about talking, uh, or sick of talking about Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, obviously, like the Celtics have, have kind of become the it team, and and Milwaukee's up there. Like Durant is, as we touched on last week, you know, having a all time career year, thirty points a game on ridiculous efficiency, still not even shooting it that well from three, and yeah, it's it's. It, it, it kind of reminds me, I guess, of where LeBron's been the last couple of years on the Lakers, where it's just like, look, if, if, until we think that you have a real chance to win the title, like there's just, 
you know, we're not going to give you that usual benefit of the doubt. Although the odds makers, I guess, still are. They still are. He also has not missed a game. He's the number one player in right. fantasy by total production, actually, because of wow. uh, partially because of that fact. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just think they're a little boring because they're 500 and a lot of that drama has subsided. Right. Kyrie's back. Yeah. Ben Simmons. Yeah, he gets hurt. He plays. That's whatever. They're fine. They're not like the, it's just nothing that interesting is happening with them right now. Yeah. No, that's a good way to put it. They, they actually are a supremely boring team at this point. And like Kyrie's still not even playing that well. Like the, like at least last year when he was in and out, it felt like he would come in, put up 50 on the magic, you know, yeah. <laughs> miss, miss four games, come back, put up 48, miss a couple more games. Like he's, he's, he's just been fine for them. Like he, he hasn't really, I, I feel like I haven't seen like a single look at what Kyrie Irving did to this defender clip on oh. Twitter in weeks. Oh, it's been, it's been a little quiet. Um, yeah. On that front for sure. Um, number one player in, in per game has to be AD now, right? Um, maybe let me, let me, if you give me five seconds, I'll, I'll have that for you. Um, yeah, it is AD by a, not a unsignificant margin. I mean, if you're talking, yeah, if you're talking Z score, he's 1.32, which is huge. That's almost like a hardened season, uh, to be honest. And then SGA at 1.1 and then things sort of, uh, tail off in a natural fashion until you get to another tier, which is basically where Tatum is at 0.95 and then it tears off again into James Harden uh surprisingly kind of actually at 0.73 with Donovan Mitchell at the same at the same spot. Yeah, Davis is 7th overall in uh like value derived from points, first in rebounds, third in blocks, uh you know, way up there in in terms of field goal percentage as well, too, uh behind Jokic, like the free throw percentage has been good this year. I Yeah, I this, of all the years to jump off Anthony Davis. This is right. not looking like it was the right one. Wrong year. Wrong year for sure. All right, man, we got to run. Uh, I will I will see you in a matter of hours in, in downtown Madison. Looking forward to that. I'll be back with James Anderson later this week. I, I think that'll be Thursday, uh, and you'll be back with Ken and Shannon as usual on Friday. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.